Hi, everyone. This is Greg Harton. I'm the editorial page editor for the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. I'm joined today by Rusty Turner, our uh, editor of our newspaper here in Northwest Arkansas. And today we have the opportunity to visit with Delia Hawk, who is a Republican from near uh, Gentry in Benton County. She is running for House District 91 in the uh, uh, State House of Representatives. Uh, she's uh, formerly the executive director of the Illinois River Watershed Partnership, but she's got a, a varied background, I think, and uh, um, we are uh, very appreciative of you spending time with us today. Thanks for the opportunity. Sure. If you don't mind, would you just uh, describe for folks who don't know where District 91 is uh, to kind of give us the geographic lay of the land? It's a very dynamic district, very fast growing district. It reaches from Pinnacle Hills to uh, the Oklahoma border. It encompasses Centerton, uh, much of Cave Springs, Highville, the XNA Airport, uh, Gentry, north of Siloam Springs, a little east of the Siloam Springs Airport, follows 412 back up and around Cave Springs, back around uh, Pinnacle Hills and Rogers. So kind of a long piece of, uh, of Benton County. And uh, as I said, it includes the airport. It also includes two Walmart distribution centers, McKee Foods, uh, a lot of farming as well in this area of the district in Benton County, and a lot of jobs. It does not dip down into Washington County at all, does it? It does not. Okay, all in Benton yeah. County. All, all right. in Benton County. Very good. Well, um, uh, you know, I, 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 we talked to some of these uh, rep, these candidates who are in urban districts that are so tiny, you know, uh, and uh, and then we we talked to candidates like you that uh, boy, if, if it wasn't for COVID, I'm sure you would be putting lots of miles on the car and uh, uh, still putting lots of miles on the car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, let's uh, dive right in. I, I, you know, in terms of running for the state legislature you you uh, um, uh if i remember right you faced opposition in the primary and we, did. Uh, we came out the the victor in that so you've had all summer and and uh early fall to uh to be out there making people familiar with you um uh, give me a sense of of what you feel like are the uh, issues that as a legislator you would need to address for District 91 and, and, and for the larger issues uh, facing Arkansas? That's a great question. And I think a lot of it stems to why we moved to where we are 41 years ago. And two things that Arkansas and this district have given us, we live in the same house we moved to 41 years ago. Um, and that is free enterprise and education. And those two things have really given us the kind of opportunities that we have enjoyed for ourselves being small business owners uh, from a farm to other small business opportunities that we've had because of that to education. Uh, I received in my undergraduate degree at John Brown University, went on to the University of Arkansas, very fortunate to do that because it was close by here, um, was able to teach business and free enterprise, uh, was able to start some graduate programs at John Brown University when I worked on my doctorate, uh, worked on the master's degree in leadership and ethics. 
that was started 20 years ago at John Brown University. Uh, that was something I was able to uh, help get off the ground and, and uh, form it and see it grow. Uh, working with the Illinois River Watershed Partnership for 10 years was able to really, it was an organization whose vision I really believe in. It was taking separate stakeholder groups that, that often have their own choir that they're talking to, but this was a group that said, let's come together, let's work together on things that we all have in common. Um, that was a group that I was able to work with and we grew in that 10 years, working with cities and counties and businesses and individuals, putting our efforts on the ground where they actually make a difference. And those are the things I would like to do in going to the legislature and being able to not only represent District 91, which is the fastest growing district in the state, uh, it has very diverse interests from landowners, small farmers, cattlemen, poultry operators, dairy farms, to some of the largest corporations. It stretches from I-49 to the Oklahoma border. So we've got wastewater uh, issues, infrastructure, roads, a lot of things that impact this district, but that also impacts the whole state. So I would like to represent uh, our district and also do what's best for our state. The, um, uh, you know, I, I'm, I don't know, it's probably more challenging to represent a district like yours than it would be something that's all urban or all rural. Um, I mean, you do have a variety of issues there. What what do you hear from people there that uh, that's important to them in this election? So certainly the pandemic that we're in has really brought up certain issues. Um, broadband internet is something that is of high importance. And where I live in the county on a dirt road, I do not have internet access. I drive into town and get to the McDonald's parking lot or the public library and those kind of things. So a lot of education when we had to shut down in um, last spring, it really showed how much even being 20 miles from the largest corporation in the world was still limited in terms of access for children to get on and do their homework. It was also, um, if you were able to get on, you could do telehealth. So our rural hospitals, our rural doctors were still able to talk with their patients and their, you know, so on. We've learned a lot about essential businesses. Uh, this district in many ways kept functioning because so many of the jobs were tied to food production and farming and essential jobs, transportation. Uh, but small business owners like our restaurant owners, or our hair salons and barber shops, people that make their very living um, being able to provide their service were uh, disproportionately impacted by um, our, this pandemic. So those are the things that have been on the minds of people. Um, you know, they say 25% uh, of people believe their jobs won't come back if they're in the hospitality business. Today we heard the airlines will be laying off some of their, you know, large portion of employees. Does that impact us? Absolutely. And so all of that is so connected while we think our constituents are different because their lifestyles are different, farming is very connected to the internet these days, uh, online selling, 
uh, when there was a shortage of beef. Um, our, our cattlemen were trying to get, you know, their, their beef to the market and were having difficulty and so on. So uh, there's a lot we have in common that we share and a pandemic really shows the human condition and how much of it impacts all of us in different ways, but it impacts us in significant ways. So how would you evaluate uh, how the state has done in terms of responding to the, uh, the pandemic and um, just uh, statewide and, and from your own experience? So certainly the uh, questions have been asked, you know, about the emergency powers and so on. I think the legislature in 2018 revised giving uh, the executive branch certain executive powers during an, an emergency now that and I think we were able to mitigate um, some of the spread of that early on for our state. And I think when people have information, they are better able to comply with what they think will work and will protect them. Certainly we know that um, our nursing homes and the elderly, you know, some of those conditions have been extremely hard for families not to be able to go in and see their loved ones or if people needed surgery, it was deemed elective surgery and it was very difficult for certain patients to continue to get their treatments because of um, COVID and so on. So um, while we want to mitigate a pandemic health emergency, we also have to, to take into consideration both the economic impact and the relationships that families have to each other during this um, emergency. So I think the, the governor and our um, health department have done well, but I think they need the input of listening, hearing from their um, representatives that represent their constituents from all the different districts around the state. We do believe we're in a new normal. So what does that need to look like? Education is going to continue to have challenges. So are all these other um, delivery systems are going to have challenges. We all need to be a part of um, finding the best solutions to move forward. So you, you mentioned the, um, uh, you know, kind of the governor listening to lawmakers, uh, uh, you know, some of them have filed a lawsuit, uh, worried about the emergency powers, as you mentioned, um, uh, and, and wanting the legislature at some point during the uh, declaration of an emergency to, to have uh, more of a say, uh, uh, a formal type of uh, uh, input. Um, how do you feel about that lawsuit? And, uh, and, and do you think that the, those emergency powers need to be adjusted? One of the things I, I, I think lawsuits can be um, necessary, but I don't think that's the route to go. I would prefer being able to talk over the situation. What we've seen in Arkansas is some communities have been, as you look at the county, um, the daily counts and so on, some counties have been impacted significantly. Other counties have not been. At some point, somebody has to make a decision. I understand that. Um, but it can't be a one-size-fits-all is the best solution for everyone in a, in a state, even the size of Arkansas. 
Um, we also saw some jobs deemed essential, other jobs deemed non-essential. And in many ways, it hurt a lot of folks unfairly that fell into a category of non-essential um, workers. I think every person is essential and a job for that per person and that family is essential. And those things have to be taken into consideration and their voices should be heard. Um, I believe in talking things over and, and uh, you know, coming to some agreement. I believe there's always 75 to 80% that we can find in common to agree on that continues to move us forward. No matter what the issue is, there are always going to be fringes on the, of, that, of an issue where we may not see eye to eye, but it won't stop us from moving forward if we continue to find the common ground and continue to find where it is we can move forward. Um. Delia, we've, uh, in parallel to the pandemic, uh, we've also been experiencing in this country and in the state um, uh, quite a bit of uh, racial tension, uh, uh, protests, uh, hard feeling, violence, uh, uh, all kinds of uh, all kinds of things have been going on. And uh, I, I'm curious what your uh, approach, uh, what you think the how the how you think the legislature should approach dealing with those issues of racial tension of, of uh, systematic equality, those sorts of things. So I, I do think um, certainly we have a heightened awareness of that right now. I think it has always been a heart condition. I think the human race um, has always had this uh, challenge. Certainly I condemn all hatred that is so antithetical to our, our prospering as every human being. Um, back in World War II, Alexander Solzhenitsyn said the, uh, the line between good and evil is drawn on every human heart. Sometimes we're always putting people in this group or that group rather than saying it's every single one of us have to have um, a commitment to the prospering and the, the goodwill of every other person. Um, certainly, we've seen in our country what civilizations have seen over time, and that is um, certain groups that have uh, that want to put other groups down. I'm a member of a, a, a gender who did not have the right to vote 100 years ago. We just celebrated that 100-year um, anniversary of suffrage this last this year, right now. Um, I certainly think that every person deserves uh, protections in life and safety and um, opportunity. So those are things that our state and our country need to continue to work on. I, I don't think we are any um, better for a discussion that includes, you know, violence. And so how do we get to the root of a hatred so deep that it leads to violence. And those would be some things I would want to work on. And I, again, go back to what I think gives everyone this equal, equal opportunity. And that is our freedom in the free enterprise system 
and education that gives everyone equal opportunity. And that would be what I would want to continue to work for. Um, there's been a, uh, some discussion uh, and actually a, uh, uh, a bill drafted that would, uh, that would uh, uh, create um, uh, uh, extra penalties for hate crimes. Uh, yeah. in, in, in Arkansas, and I'm curious if you formed an opinion about that legislation, if that's something you, you would be willing to support, or if that's something you would oppose uh, if you're elected and, and, and join the General Assembly. So as with every bill, it is the language that is, you know, what we need to look at. I have not formed a final opinion about that. I've done research on other states and their hate crime bills. I've talked with our law enforcement um, community because they would be the ones that would have to make those kind of determinations on the motivation of certain crimes. And so I believe we have to take into consideration um, how we can support law enforcement in number one, reducing crime, all crime, and certainly reducing um, the motivation of people that would use hate as their motivation to, to commit crime. Um, I want to work with our local law enforcement and support them um, because without them, sorry about that, had an incoming call. Uh, without our law enforcement, we really have no civilization whereby we can keep the dialogue going. Um, I believe that our law enforcement here in Northwest Arkansas that we have. I've talked to each of the um, sheriff's office, police divisions, our mayors, our councils, um, want to see peace in our neighborhoods, peace in our workplaces, um, in our school systems, and having law enforcement that works with all of our entities is very important. Specifically on the proposal for the current hate crime bill, it looked like it was drafted from, um, I believe, the state of Utah. There are some uh, other states that I think we can learn from, uh, in particular the hate crime bill in Georgia. Um, so whatever we can do to make sure that all citizens are protected in their homes, in their communities, at their workplace, at, in schools. Those are things that we can do to help um, our communities stay, stay safe. So uh, I'm trying to, trying to understand your point there. The, are, you, are you saying that, that the basic concept of um, an enhanced penalty depending on who is attacked or, or, or the motivation for an attack that, 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 that can work, um, that, that you, you could get comfortable with that kind of approach, but it all depends on the language of the bill and the specific language. It, it absolutely depends on the language of the bill being implementable, enforceable by law enforcement. Uh, for them to make a determination uh, about a particular crime that they're trying to solve and determine the motivation for that, 
they feel is, is, is very difficult in addition to what they're already trying to do in, in uh, um, slowing crime, preventing crime. Um, I suggested in the Georgia law, it says um, there's hate crimes against police officers. So if um, someone is you know, yelling in their face and screaming obscenities, that's, an, uh, that's a hate crime toward police. And uh, one of our 27-year veteran police chiefs said, smiled and said, everyone who's ever been arrested and put in the back of a police car is yelling obscenities that you could never repeat and saying, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill your family. I'm going to do this and that and the other to you. He said that would not be enforceable in, in preventing hate toward the police. Um, so my intent would be that we have to prevent hate. Part of that is getting at the root of the problem, which is a heart problem. Part of it is trying to prevent crimes, um, both toward anyone that's in one of these protect, protected groups. What's difficult when they try to implement that what if you have crime one group to another group? Is that because one of the group is not in one of the protected statuses or they're both in a protective status? Is that a hate crime any more than anyone that's of two opposite groups? Do you, does that make sense? Um, so we're, what we're asking them to do is to put another layer on top of what the actionable crime was and determine what was the motivation of a particular crime. So it just needs to be enforceable. All right, um, I have a, a question I uh, wanted to ask about uh, uh, Buffalo National River. I think you're probably familiar with this with your background and um, the, uh, uh, the hog farm that was over there that the state bought out and uh, the proposal for a permanent moratorium. Uh, uh, give me a sense of how you think the state needs to tackle that. So this is one of the issues that, that is near and dear to my heart. It was one of the issues of why I, wa I wanted to join and be a part of the, water, the Illinois River Watershed Partnership. All of these different stakeholder groups live in the watershed. We live upstream from Oklahoma. Uh, they're a part of, uh, we're connected to them and always will be. The Buffalo River watershed um, is an important watershed in our state in terms of its natural beauty and recreational opportunities for people. The hog farm that it has been come to know, as it's been come to be known, was an eighth generation family farm. It was fewer animals uh, on that state of the art facility than it was when those three young families came together and, and built a state-of-the-art farm. They followed all the procedures that Arkansas had in place to build their farm. And uh, that's part of the reason why the state felt compelled, and rightly so, that they needed to compensate those young farmers, young farm families, for um, uh, basically a taking of their farm. I guess the problems that I still foresee in terms of a moratorium 
Uh, I currently serve on the Pollution Control and Ecology Commission. The mission of that commission is to be science-based. So the state of Arkansas implemented a $600,000 study. One of our University of Arkansas professors, Dr. Andrew Sharpley, is an internationally known phosphorus expert. He led that study on the Big Creek and no contamination was found to be coming from that particular farm. So if our decisions are going to be science-based, they need to be science-based. Um, there were other scientists and many of them were a part of the newspaper and uh, a lot of environmental groups from our state, but also outside of our state were very vocal whether they lived in that watershed or not, they um, were very, very vocal. And um, that now became an, an example that struck fear in the heart of every uh, farming operation, both in our state and beyond. You know, am I next? Is a moratorium coming for me? And based on what? Based on what scientific um, evidence and um, I just think people need to make sure that we're not um, taking away the right to farm. No food, no farms, no food <laughs> kind of thing. Do we need to be smart in how we um, farm, what our farming practices are? Uh, it's no secret, my husband and I have a dairy farm. It's a small farm. We milk 160 cows on average every day. I say we. Uh, I'm not out there milking the cows every day, but I get to, to live in the country and enjoy that life. We have the best of both worlds here. Um, but we also are a research farm for the University of Arkansas, and they conduct water quality monitoring off of our farm, and there's no contamination. But we do rotational grazing. We do a number of um, alternative watering systems. So when we get into decisions that are either or, either or, it's either you get to do this or we shut you down, and that's not a good position to be in. It's here's how we can operate in safe ways to maintain uh, farm operations that are sustainable in terms of our environment. And a lot of um, arguments are it has to be either or, and I don't believe it has to be either or. So I hope that gives you some idea where I would stand on a, on a, a permanent moratorium uh, in terms of a statewide, how it impacts other farming operations without scientific evidence. And, and just to be clear, uh, you, you felt like the evidence was not there. It is for, not there. For the hog farm that, that existed. Correct. Okay. All right. Um, uh, we talked about this, I think, last spring, but um, there's a proposal on the ballot uh, having to do with highways, uh, extending the half-cent sales tax, making it permanent uh, to continue to fund uh, Arkansas roads and highways. Some of that money, there's a component of it that sends some of that money locally to states, excuse me, to counties and, and cities. So what's your take on that proposal and what's your take in general on Arkansas's uh, highway funding uh, situation. 
So having lived in District 91 for 41 years, I've seen a lot of growth in this, in this district, in this area of Northwest Arkansas. And I, I feel like we have always been behind in terms of road improvements. We always seem to be you know, falling behind where we need to be at a particular time to support our growth. And the reason for that is because this is a very difficult um, apportionment of our uh, revenues from the state. How do we fund roads? And the, for the 41 years that I have lived here, it's never been a very good answer how we fund roads. We tend to go this direction and then the pendulum swing, swings back this direction, as most issues do. Um, on the table right now is the uh, issue one initiative to continue a half cent sales tax for road construction and improvements. Being in District 91, which is about trains, planes, and automobiles, and the growth of our communities, um, I am in favor of a continuation of the half cent sales tax. Am I, I am for lower taxes, but I realize we have to fund our roads. The voters will decide if they would like that to be a part of our Arkansas Constitution. What I want them to understand are all the um, issues that, are, that go along with that. Currently in our Constitution, it's mandated. Education uh, funding is mandated, not the specific amount, but we, we fund approximately 75% of our state revenues are mandated for educational funding. Uh, we also have in the Constitution a 3.8 cent tax for um, our game and fish, for conservation, for our state parks and tourism, and our Arkansas Heritage Commission. So, so two things are true. Uh, it, this is not a new tax, in my opinion. This is a continuation of a current tax, half-cent sales tax. So we're not adding to our, what we are already have in our sales tax if we continue this tax. And also, it's not new or the first time that the Constitution would have some um, deliberation for how that tax should be spent. So just taxpayers, voters need to understand and they need to decide if that's how they would like to fund Arkansas roads. If we don't pass that issue, then the legislature comes around again. How are we going to fund roads? The only other alternatives that I have heard or seen in the past is to cut spending in other areas in order to fund roads. Um, in my mind, it's like a family budget. We have to make sure we budget for our food and our rent and gas to get back and forth to work. Other things are kind of um, discretionary spending. Uh, if Arkansas is going to fund our roads, I don't think it can be out of our discretionary areas of spending or what's left over or in excess of the programs that we're already spending. That means we've got to find cuts in other areas in order to fund roads. And there may be those areas, and I'm sure there are, that can be um, trimmed or found to be 
put to better use. But there's only two ways uh, to fund roads, and that's uh, for the voters to decide this time around on this ballot issue. Um, I hope that was yeah, helpful. Yeah, the, the issues you, you addressed, which involved the Constitution and, and putting it in the Constitution and all, um, I, I think the mostly what I've heard is about that is, you know, that it's not so much a question of whether the need is there. It is the question of, should we not do another sunset tax as opposed to a permanent tax? And, uh, um, uh, you know, if, if it does not survive the election, how would you try to tackle that in, in the next session? Um, uh, because there does seem to be universal agreement that, we we aren't keeping up with the road needs. So our, our our next chance would be then to, as you say, rather than sunset this, um, which those who formulated the bill ten years ago said they promised they would sunset it in ten years. Um, it's it's okay for the voters to decide that they would like to rather than sunset that half a cent sales tax that they would at that point, as you say, continue to fund it. Maybe it's for another 10 years or for a certain period of time. From what I know and understand of large infrastructure projects, you have to have a longer time frame for planning. That would be my only concern is I would love to be able to see us have a, a wider horizon for planning. And in particular, in this district and in this area of the state, which also has a big impact on the rest of the state um, in terms of revenue and revenue sharing, I would just like to see us be able to continue to grow and expand as we have. We do just have a couple of minutes left. I wanted to make sure that, uh, that uh, perhaps there's something that we haven't asked about, uh, some issue. Uh, something important to this, uh, this particular race that, that you feel like you need to address, uh, I guess this is just an open-ended open invitation to uh, go ahead and tackle uh, anything you feel like is important. Well, thank you for that. Certainly, um, I am pro-life, and that is one of the major issues that, um, a major reason why I'm voting uh, as a Republican, because that is part of our party platform to support life. Um, part of that is um, I'm also working to raise funds to, to uh, install a baby, a safe haven baby box. One of, that'll be the second one if we can get that funded here quickly in the state. And it will be in District 91 at fire station number five in Rogers, just off of Interstate 85 in, in Rogers, off of I-49. And a safe haven baby box is where within 72 hours, uh, an anonymous, um, someone can bring up a, a child and place it in the safe haven baby box. It sets off an alarm at the fire station and that child is rescued and, and a life is saved. And already at another safe haven baby box in the state, a child has been saved. And so, while I'm very much for pro-life legislation, I really applaud the efforts of those, uh, Senator Cecile Bledsoe and uh, Representative Janet Della Rosa that worked on legislation and Representative Petty 
to um, approve safe haven baby boxes for places like at the fire station that can be. So I would love to see that happen here in District 91 as a proactive uh, response to not just saying we are pro-life, but actually doing something that protects life. Um, I'm very pro-amendment. I live out in the county. I think it's very important that we don't disarm people, that um, we're not defunding the police and disarming citizens uh, and expecting people to be able to um, have, be able to defend themselves. So that's very important to me. Um, and those would be some of the major issues we didn't talk about today, but that I would be um, very much in favor of and in support of. Okay, well, Rusty, do you have anything else on your mind? No, no, I don't. I do want to thank you, though, Delia, for spending some time with us today. Thank you very much. I'm proud to be from District 91, and I just want future generations to be proud of what we're doing today that keeps those freedoms for them. Well, thank you so much for your time. I know that uh, that uh, it campaigning's got to be a challenging uh, thing to do in the midst of uh, all this, but uh, we appreciate you spending a little bit of time with us. Thank you. Thank you for today. Bye for now.